Thanks for joining us online for today's message from our Sunday morning service, where we are learning how to make disciples who love God, love others, and serve the world. We pray that you are encouraged and challenged. For more information about Wilmot Center Missionary Church, go to wcmc.ca. Now prepare your hearts for what God wants to speak to you today. Good morning. Happy New Year. It's good to see each and every one of you today. I hope you had uh, a very good Christmas. I hope you had uh, a wonderful time celebrating the birth of our Savior. Amen? Amen. Spending time with, uh, with loved ones. And uh, I do want to thank everybody who was involved in uh, the Christmas Eve services. Mark, uh, Dom in particular for planning it, Jane Valenta for co-leading it. Uh, they were, it was a good evening and, and so good to be together to celebrate our Savior's coming. And so this morning, I'm back at it um, with thank yous. So if there's anybody here involved with, uh, with the worship ministry, so the music ministry, as well as, our, as well as our tech volunteers, would you just give a little wave, let us know you're here, involved in music or tech? Uh, would, would you admit it, please? Or a few of you? All right. Would you show your appreciation to them today? Ultimately to the Lord, but uh, it's so important to encourage each other, and uh, you know that, to thank each other, and uh, so eventually I'm going to get through all of the ministries that I can think of, uh, and so grateful. Uh, Also grateful that Jay Calder could be here last week, amen, and uh, to share, to speak, and to play. Thank you also for praying for me last Sunday, and I know that, uh, thank you, many have asked how I'm doing and uh, I know many of you have continued to pray for me. So just, just very quickly, because I'm a pastor, and I really prefer to be, to be caring for and leading people than being a patient, because uh, I don't get so patient about being a patient. But uh, I've been fighting abdominal issues for, for quite a number of months, actually. And uh, I'm very grateful that every test that I've had along the way since the spring, everyone has been normal. Uh, it's a little bit frustrating, though, because there hasn't been an answer. And uh, just since Christmas Eve and on, it, it really peaked. So we, uh, we made a few extra visits into, uh, to Kitchener than normal, to the hospital. And uh, I'm having a special test done on Tuesday, because our suspicion is, after all of this, because it started with, uh, with my reaction to fatty food. So I'm trying to slim down a bit. Or maybe I was once in my life. But uh, anyhow, our, our suspicion is that the culprit is my gallbladder and, uh, because, because nothing else is shown. So, so Tuesday we're going in for this. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a specialized test to actually test the gallbladder. Uh, but, but enough of that. Thank you for your prayers, for your continued prayers. But it reminds me that we are all affected by physical need, aren't we? Uh, one way or the other we are, and we've, we've even just heard about, about the, the deaths of two loved ones this past week. We're all affected by physical needs. We're all affected by emotional needs. We're all affected by spiritual needs. It's really important uh, to me and uh, to us as staff to begin this year with communion, which we're going to do uh, in just a little while. 
And one of the opportunities that we have with communion, because God's word says, by his stripes, we are healed. Amen? And it's God's timing about what healing looks like and when it takes place. But we believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is the great healer. And he is healing us all. And we will, that healing will culminate. And we will know that healing in its completion when we meet Jesus in glory. So we are being healed. And one way or the other, he's healing us. And what a wonderful thing when God does it in a miraculous way, even now while we are here on earth. And he does that. I've seen it. And many of you have, maybe all of you have too, but many of you have too. We've seen God do amazing and miraculous things. And so when we have communion, uh, we have the oil. The ministry team uh, will call up then too to be available. If you want prayer for anything, I, I just so invite you to come forward at that time after communion. Someone will be very happy to pray with you for whatever is on your heart, whatever is on your mind, and whatever may be going on for you. So we've turned the page of the calendar so to speak, remember paper calendars, turning the page of the calendar? Actually, we still have one in the house, so I still do remember them. But uh, we've begun the new year of 2019, you know that, it's, it's six days old. But you might have heard how on Monday night in Sydney, Australia, over a million people were gathered. One of the most beautiful places on the waterfront, it's an iconic place the waterfront at Sydney, the, the Sydney Opera House. Over a million people were gathered witnessing this captivating 12 minutes of pyrotechnic fireworks. Nearly $6 million show. Steve Austin would have been proud. I'm sorry, that's an old name. That was from a show with the $6 million man. <laughs> but with all of the mesmerizing, seemingly flawless fireworks there was one really significant imperfection to the evening. When the countdown ended and the clock struck midnight, that's what showed up. Somebody had gotten the date wrong. Months of planning. An amazing show. It would have been absolutely breathtaking. And somebody either typed in the wrong date or forgot to update it. You know, you've, you've, many of us have done that. You know, when you cut and paste things or, or you, you, you use the same form that you used a year ago and you forgot to change it. Somebody did that. Somebody forgot to change the date. <clears throat> With all of the precise timing that goes into pyrotechnics, there used to be a show on TV called Pyros. I don't know if any of you ever used to watch it, but, but, but uh, our older son Andrew and I used to watch that show. Of all of that incredible complexity, one really, really simple little detail, which was massive, was gotten wrong. And I tell that story not to make fun, but to illustrate a key point that I will come to at the end of the message. Uh, so so hold, that, hold that thought, 2018. As we begin this new year together, there are three main focuses, or foci, if you like, but there are three main focuses that I'm going to touch on this morning. Focus number one is our students. 
Uh, with January, I'm sorry to say, though some of you are, are probably okay with it, but with January comes return to school. And this week, I have just really felt impressed to pray for our students. Sound like a good idea? And uh, I'm not meaning to embarrass any of you, but I want to invite all of the students in the room today, if you would, to stand. Whether you are uh, elementary school age or high school age, homeschool, public school, post-secondary school, if you're in, in uh, university or college doing grad work, even if you're doing post-grad work, uh, will you please stand? I just want to invite you to stand. I want to pray for you today. And not only that, so you don't feel all alone, uh, if there are any teachers in the room, and I know there are at least a few, I want to invite you to stand as well. Uh, as well, whether you're elementary or high school or post-secondary, or, or if you're a homeschool teacher, if you're a parent homeschooling, uh, you're, you're an educator too, and so I want you to stand as well, please. And for the rest of us, as I pray, I, I just welcome you to pray along with me and to lift a hand or two of blessing toward them uh, as, as we look forward to, to their return to school this week. All right, let's, uh, let's come before the greatest teacher ever as we pray for them. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, we come to you today at the dawn of a new year in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Messiah, our Savior, our leader, our greatest teacher that we could ever hope for, at whose feet we can sit and learn eternal truth. And Lord, at the dawn of a new year, I thank you that you are, you are the one who exists outside of time. You don't need time. But Lord, I thank you that you've created time for us so that we can have some understanding and that we can get by from, from second to second and minute to minute and hour to hour and week to week and month to month and year to year. And Lord, that you lead us by your spirit as we follow. And Lord, I want to thank you in Jesus' name for every student who's standing here today. And those who aren't present today too, Lord, I know there are many more. Lord, our, 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 our children, our, our, our young people, our, our young adults, all of those who are in school. And Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you are teaching and you are training them up. And you are helping them to learn important things that have to do with, with living and work and career and further learning. But Lord, I thank you too that, Lord Jesus, you are teaching us and you are teaching them uh, the greatest truths about relationship with you and sharing that relationship with others. And Lord, we recognize today, as we could recognize every day, uh, that in many cases and at many times, the, the environment of the culture and the society in which we live is spiritually very, very challenging. But Lord, thank you for that in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, that all challenges, that Lord, they're meant for good. And Lord, that you are, you are bigger and greater than any challenge we will ever face, that we can face them even with joy. 
Uh, but Lord, we recognize that there's even opposition to faith. And that there are many temptations, that there are many challenges in life. And that there are many uh, temptations that are, that are faced even at school in itself. And so, Lord, I thank you for the burden on my heart just to pray for and to bless our young people in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we pray together. And thank you, Lord, that you do surround them with your presence. And that, Lord, like a hedge of protection, you will spiritually protect them from the attacks of the enemy, however subtle or however direct and not so subtle they may be. Because, Lord, I thank you that when we wear the spiritual armor of God, there is no place for fear. And, Lord, I want to thank you today in Jesus' name that every one of these students who's standing here today has been created by you and every one of them is just right as you have created them. And Lord, I thank you that you hold them with such value. And Lord, I thank you that each of them is beautiful and precious and beloved in your sight. And that in Jesus Christ, they are all that you have designed them to be and that you are continuing to bring to completion what you have begun in each and every one of their lives. And so, Lord, for all of the challenges that they will face, whether it's academically or relationally or spiritually, whatever it is, Lord, Lord, we pray your blessing upon them. And Lord, as I would pray for any person, Lord, we pray, Lord, that by the presence and the, and the prompting of your spirit, that whatever challenges will face them, Lord, that they will bring them all to you, and that they will just continually turn to you as their source of strength, their source of wisdom, and their source of victory. And Lord, I pray the same for the teachers, Lord, knowing that, that, that there are what many of us don't even realize, there are, there are many attacks that they face. Uh, sometimes they, they could be for their faith from coworkers. Uh, sometimes just the knowledge that they need to be very careful about what they say and how they say it. But Lord, I thank you that their light shines brightly, both the teachers and the students. And Lord, would you cause their lights to shine? The lights of the teachers as they influence the students and as they influence their co-workers. Lord, may their lights shine that people would see, and I know they do, they see something different. And that there would be a yearning in the hearts of people to say, I, I, I want that, whatever it is. And Lord, that the salt that you are in and through them, Lord Jesus, that that would bring life and that would preserve life and that would bring flavor, spiritual flavor into the lives of others. And so, Lord, we pray your blessing upon each and every one of them for your sake. Lead them, Holy Spirit, we pray, as only you can. By the blood and the power of the resurrected and the living Christ. 
and resting and living in the love of the Father. We pray, Lord, with thanks for your blessing on each and every one of them as they return to uh, the school year and as they enter into the new 2019 as your vessels, as your children. We pray in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. And all God's people say, Amen. Amen and Amen. Thank you so much. Please be seated. Focus number two is our mission, our purpose. That is the mission and the purpose of WCMC. And the beginning of a new year is an opportune time to be reminded of why we're here, why the church exists, what it is that Jesus has called us to as our collective mission or purpose. So over the years, I've asked many groups of people, uh, large and small, and by that I mean the groups of people, but I've asked all kinds of different groups of people, what is the purpose of the church? Uh, what, is, what do we understand God's purpose or mission of the church to be? Why does the church really exist? What are we supposed to be on about? Has God's word been clear about that? Because God's word says a lot, and sometimes we have to mine in God's word. And at, at the same time, we don't want our answers to be just our own ideas. But we want our answers uh, for things of substance, and really all things in life. Uh, we want them to be influenced by or to come directly from God's word if they speak directly or if it speaks directly. And I've gotten all kinds of responses to the question, why does the church exist? Responses like, well, the church exists for fellowship. That's why, that's why the church exists. Or the church's purpose is for us to encourage and exhort each other. Or recently, quite vehemently, somebody so got a little bit argumentative with me about the purpose of the church and said, my mission from God is to pray and to study God's word. That's my mission. Now, cut to the chase. I believe there is a right answer to the question because often we'll say, especially in education, we'll often say when we ask a question, an open-ended question, we'll say, there are no wrong answers. I believe there's a right answer. And I believe there are a lot of second best answers too and third best and on down the line. And there are probably some wrong answers too. Fellowship and encouragement, for example, are very important, aren't they? A prayer and studying God's word are vital. But as answers to the question, what is our purpose or what is our mission? Those answers to me are reminders of the need to differentiate between ends and means to what our destination is over against what do we do to get there between the real purpose and those things that serve the real ultimate purpose. So it would be like asking a group of students, and I include myself when I say this, when I was a full-time student because I'm not... I'm not beating up on anybody. But if we were to ask a group of students, what's the point of school? <laughs> we would get all kinds of answers from them, right? And, and some would very honestly say, I really have no idea. 
I'm still trying to figure that one out. So when I was in high school, my answer would have been, without batting an eye, my answer would have been to play as much sports as possible and, and to play as much music as possible. Those would have been my two answers. Some students would say, honestly, the main point of school for me is about going and seeing my friends. That's, I'm a sociable person, and that's really why, that's why school exists in my mind. But if we drilled down to come to terms with the, the ultimate purpose of why school really exists, there is a right answer. And, and, and I suspect the answer will be something like that school at all of its various levels, whether it's elementary school or high school or post-secondary school, that school is for the purpose of learning information and skills to be used for life, to be used for further education, to be used for employment, to be used for relationships, to be used for everyday living. That at the end of the day, school is about education and learning. Am I close? Thank you. So what about the church? Fellowship and relationship are very important. Encouragement and exhortation are very important. they're, They're all necessary. Uh, Prayer and studying God's word again, they are vital in our lives. But those activities and many others serve the mission that we are called to. So it doesn't mean they're any less important than what they are, but they serve the mission that we've been called to. So who do we go to, to to get our direction to get the answer? Who do we go to? Well, I would suggest that surely we go to the living word. We go to the one that we have been called to follow and that we desire to follow and that we are following and we go to the head of the church. We go to Jesus. We say, Lord Jesus, is there anything that you said specifically that you have called us to do? And I believe the answer is yes. In Matthew 22, uh, we get, I suggest there are three parts to the answer. And in Matthew 22, we get two of the three parts. And Luke 10, Jesus, there's also a recording of Jesus saying something very, very similar at a different time. At those times, Jesus told what are the two most important directives or commandments for us to follow. And then later in Matthew 28, before the resurrection, and then in Acts chapter 1, after the resurrection, Jesus gave all of his followers or his disciples, and that includes you and me, as followers of Jesus, the main task that he's called us to as the church. Our purpose is clear. And this month on Sundays, that's what we're going to be reviewing, what Jesus has called us to. So today we begin with Matthew 22. It was the last of the scriptures that was read this morning. Thank you to everybody who was involved this morning with the reading of scriptures and the music. It's just a wonderful way to start off the year hearing God's word. Amen? So these verses from uh, the mouth of Jesus come from the fourth book of the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 and 5. Of all 39 Old Testament books, there are 39 in the Old, 27 in the New, these two verses, along with four others in Deuteronomy 6, so verses uh, 4 to 9, those verses are said to be the first ones memorized by children of devout Jewish families. That's how important they were and are still uh, to Jewish families and repeated twice daily throughout life for those who are, are, are very 
intensely uh, committed to their faith. The purpose of the church, I believe, is the same for every church. Here's Matthew 22, verses 35 to 38. A lawyer asked Jesus a question, testing him. Kind of fits with school, right? He's testing him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, will you read this with me? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Again, the purpose of the church, I believe, is the same for every church. It's the same for every believer because the church, the church, according to the New Testament, is not a building. It's not a room. It's not a denomination. Uh, But the church is God's people. The word church meant, it was used in colloquial, uh, or in everyday language it was used, it meant a gathering. That's what church meant. And then it became used and applied spiritually. Literally, the word means called out ones. Uh, But it's about the gathering of believers, and that's how it has become applied. How we carry out the purpose of the church, that will, that will vary from, from local church to local church. And we often call that vision. We call that a plan. Many, many use the word vision. That will vary from church to church. But first and foremost, first and foremost, Jesus calls us to love God with every part of our being. We could put it another way and we could simply say that's, that's worship. We talked about worship for a few weeks in November. Uh, Jesus has called us to worship God. And that's about declaring that God is worth more than anything else. And so another way of saying that is about loving God with all that we are. First and foremost, Jesus calls us to love God with every part of our being. First with our hearts, he says. And I, I understand that by hearts he's talking about our passions and our emotions. Now, I know we live in Canada, and I know we're reserved Canadians, but I know that at least two people in this room will get excited on Super Bowl Sunday, according to the the response that Chris got. I know that a lot of people got excited last night when the Toronto Maple Leafs blew away my Vancouver Canucks. Five nothing. (laughs) But I know and I have seen, and so have you, supposedly unemotional, reserved people and how they behave, two really, really important events. Sporting events, you see people, they come out of their skin uh, at times, at sporting events. And the other time that people get really excited is when they're around babies. And, 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 and particularly, particularly more mature adults who often pride themselves on the fact that they're quite reserved, you know, they don't get too excited about things. But you see them around their grandkids, and they start making inexplicable noises. (laughs) It's because they're excited. It's because they're emotional. And the reality is we are emotional beings. We're all passionate about things. There are things that, that we get passionate about. People get passionate about politics. Man, they get fired up. But we are emotional, passionate beings. God created us that way. And he wants our greatest emotion and our passion to be demonstrated in our response to him. 
about who he is and what he has done. When we consider the amazing power and the majesty and the glory and the love of God, passion and emotion are appropriate responses. And then secondly, with our souls. And I understand that that's a word that's, that's actually more difficult to define, but, but from its most frequent use, uh, the, the supposition is that Jesus was talking about our spirit, the deepest part of us, that deep conviction. If we were to ask people, what is the absolutely most important thing to you? What would you, what would you, you go to that hill to die on? What's your deepest, deepest conviction? And that deep spiritual conviction comes from our spirits uniting with the Holy Spirit. And our story converging with the most important story of all of history, which is the story of Jesus Christ, the story of the incarnate one. And as our spirits unite with the Holy Spirit, our lives have been called to fulfill Jesus' prayer of John chapter 17. I don't know if you have have a Bible with you or not, because I'm just going to need a second to get there. But I want to invite you, I want to read four verses from Jesus' prayer in John chapter 17, beginning at verse 20. This is a prayer that Jesus prayed. Uh, It's an incredible prayer. John chapter 17, just before he was arrested, recorded there. And I'm going to read four verses from there because Jesus was praying for you. And Jesus was praying for me. And he was praying to the Father, I do not ask on behalf of the disciples alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word. And that refers to you and me, the down through the ages that we believe. Even as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, I pray that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. Isn't it, isn't it wonderful to know that even... While Jesus was on earth, he prayed for you and me. And while Jesus is now in resurrected glory, he is interceding for you and me, as it were at the right hand of the Father. Last Sunday, I saw a friend last Sunday. Uh, I, I went over to Plattsville, which is where we live, and, and I attended a uh, church where, where Tarina is an elder, our home church uh, as a family. Last Sunday, I saw a friend who for years, uh, I was encouraging him him, uh, toward faith, and I wasn't the only one. Uh, His wife was, many people were, and he genuinely said to me, because at first when he said this to me, I struggled with it, but he said to me, when I read the Bible, it it just doesn't make sense. And and I struggled with that initially. I mean, I never said, come on, dude, you you can't be telling the truth to me. But I, I struggled with that because I... I love God's word. But he really meant it. He said, when I, when I read it, it just doesn't make sense to me. And he fought and, and, and he resisted. And the Holy Spirit just kept at him and kept at him and kept at him. And, and I talked to him last weekend and he went, through, uh, he went through a healing. And I may have described it here a few weeks ago, but he was actually at an event here. 
and pain that he had experienced in his hands and his feet for years and years, gone. Amen? God heals. God heals. And I talked to him yesterday. Or sorry, I talked to him last Sunday. And, and he said, I'm beginning to read the Bible, and it's beginning to make sense. And you know what I said to him? I said, Mike, that's the Holy Spirit. Because he is the seal now of your inheritance, guaranteeing your inheritance. And he has made you new, and he is renewing your mind so that you can understand what he's saying to you, and you will be able to understand more and more as he leads you and directs you and prompts you in your day-to-day life. Praise his name. Will you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. The next thing Jesus said is to love God with our minds. Uh, That one's a little bit more quickly uh, self-explanatory. With our thoughts, with our attitudes. But that's where the battle takes place. You know that. That's where the battle takes place, in our minds. That we would fix our thoughts on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And now that I remember that the text is on the slide too, uh, let's let's go to Philippians chapter 4. I want to read two verses from Philippians chapter 4. Because of all, there are many, many verses that we could refer to about our minds and our thoughts being fixed on him. And here are a couple really, really encouraging verses. Paul is coming to the end of his letter to the Philippian church, and he writes, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. And then finally, Jesus refers to in Luke chapter 10, he doesn't refer to it here, refers in Luke chapter 10 to loving God with all our strength. That's about our doing, about our actions, and about the use of all of the resources that God has put at our disposal that we are stewards of. That with all of our strength and all of our abilities, that we would love God with them. Now, Jesus doesn't say strength in Matthew 22. He does in Luke chapter 10. Deuteronomy chapter 6 actually reads heart, soul, and strength, but not mind. So what's up with that? Why is it different? I believe the point is that it's not the specific categories that, that matter. It's not about saying, oh, Jesus tripped up. He only said three of them there, but he said four of them here. And actually, the three weren't exactly the same back in Deuteronomy chapter 6. On one occasion, Jesus said, love God with heart, soul, and mind. The other, he said, heart, soul, strength, and mind. Why? Because I believe what, what matters isn't the categories. What Jesus is getting across is the categories represent the whole person. And so we do that. Sometimes we'll, we'll mention a few categories. Sometimes we'll highlight a few others. Maybe sometime we'll, we'll mention them all. But the point of it all is that Jesus is saying, The ultimate goal, the first calling of followers of Jesus, of his church, is to love God with all that we are. To love God with our entire being. And that leads us to our third focus, to focus three. 
and that's our Savior. When I started preparation for this message, I began with a list of what loving God requires. Because uh, if you're like I am, uh, I'm a doer. So you start coming up with a list of these are things we need to do. And I came up with responses like gratitude and respect and obedience, and joy, surrender, and spiritual brokenness. But then I was so struck with this as the punchline about what it takes to love God with all of our hearts and souls and minds and strength. That all of the others, while they're important as responses, this is the starting point. And I needed to be reminded of this. Because in the last week, I, I was just in a lot of pain. And, and God uses those times for us to speak to us, doesn't he? If we'll listen, not easy. But the punchline is, and it might not sound very profound, but I tell you, it hit me like, it hit me like a ton of bricks. It is completely impossible for us to love God with all that we are on our own. It is completely impossible. Try as I may. It is not possible for me to love God with all of those categories and any more that I might think of in my flesh. And so we come back to this slide that we started with. See, no matter how hard we try on our own, we will fail. We will make mistakes. And we will sin. And there will be people who will laugh. There will be people who will deride. There will be many who will encourage us. Most importantly, whenever we fall, he is there to pick us up. The strong, loving grip of our Savior. There's a powerful picture, and it hangs actually over in the Plattsville Church building in memory of, a, of an 18-year-old young man who died in a car accident. It's a picture of the Savior standing behind a young man with his arms wrapped around him. Some of you have maybe seen that picture before. No matter how hard we try on our own, we can't do it alone. We cannot love God rightly without the absolutely undivided recognition and acknowledgement that we are wholly and completely dependent on Jesus, on the grace of Jesus, on the perfect, sinless righteousness of Jesus with which he clothes us as part of our identity in him and we cannot love God rightly without the leading and the power of the Holy Spirit. And that understanding must be our starting point. It must be my starting point. And then to be sure, loving God with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength is a great and wonderful process of learning and living together in relationship with God, isn't it? And so what better way to affirm our dependence on Jesus than remembering him through communion today on the first Sunday of the new year? 
just before his arrest, Jesus would pray for you and me. I'm going to read these words again. And will you, will you take them in, recognizing that these are prayer prayed for you. A prayer prayed for me. He prayed, Father, I do not ask on behalf of the disciples alone, but I pray for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one. Even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. I and them, you and me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, that they be with me where I am so that they may see my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of the Lord. Righteous Father, although the world has not known you, I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have made your name known to them and will make it known so that the love which you loved me with may be in them and I in them. What a powerful reminder that that's the starting point. It's the love of God through Jesus, the power of the Spirit that's been given to you and me. That's where it starts. And that's the enabling power for us to be able to more and more learn to love God with all of our hearts and souls and minds and strength. I'm going to invite the servers to come forward at this time and read for you from Romans chapter 3. A reminder from the Apostle Paul on the other side of the cross of what this all means. Now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God, that's the perfection, the perfectness of God, found resident in Jesus, because only Jesus is perfect. It's been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There's no distinction. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, justified as a gift by His grace through redemption, the payment which is in Christ Jesus whom God displayed publicly as the payment to the wrath of God against sin through his blood, through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the mercy and the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins previously committed. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time so that he, Jesus, would be just, God would be the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Church, brothers and sisters, our faith is possible only because of Jesus. Our love is possible because of Jesus. 
So as we come today to the table, you are invited, if you're a visitor here today, if you're a regular part of WCMC, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are welcome to the table. Amen? And we come to the table today only because of the love and the grace of our God and our Savior. And we say thank you to Him. And we're reminded that when we come to the table, may I emphasize two things. Number one, He is present with us. He is present. And, and, and secondly, He has done all that needs to be done. This is a free gift, this grace. And so we're called together and we have this wonderful invitation to remember Him. And as the the, the elements are being distributed, I I invite you to take time to, to just give Him praise where you are. If there's anything that you need to bring to Him, if there's anything you need to confess, if there's anything that you need to unload to Him, Uh, please do that. Or if you would just say, man, all all I want to do is give him praise, give him glory, then you do that too today. Thanks for listening online with us. We trust you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. If you have a prayer request or an encouraging story about what God has been doing in your life, please email us at amen at wcmc.ca. God bless.